Robbie Knox here, landlord of the Moon Underwater, and I have a very exciting announcement to share with you. Have you ever found yourself listening along to the podcast thinking, hmm, I wish I could experience this with my own eyes in the real world? Well, you're in luck, because very soon the Moon Underwater will be returning to the other realm for a special live show. As it's such a special occasion, we thought we'd invite an equally special guest along. Joining us on the night to create their dream pub is the Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning comedian Ahir Shah. It's taking place on Sunday the 7th of April at Moth Club in London. Tickets are on general sale now. Search Moon Under Pod on socials, head to our page and click the link in the bio to get your tickets. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to part two of The Moon Underwater with beer author, judge, expert and illustrator M. Sorter of Pints and Panels. Before we return to M's Dream Pub, we have the rather important matter of The Moon Underwater pub quiz, Robin. Yes, thanks, John. This week it was a quiz that was all about The Simpsons. And question one was, which comic actor voices the characters Principal Skinner, Smithers, Ned Flanders and Mr Burns, among many others? So, John, what what are you saying for that? I have gone for Hank Azaria. Right, Em? Isn't that Harry Shearer? It is Harry Shearer, yes. It's Harry Shearer, who also plays Derek Smalls in Spinal Tap. Um, So, one point to Em. I've met uh, Harry Shearer. I went to a Simpsons table read. Oh, really? Oh, wow. In L.A. for my friend's birthday, because when I went to art school, one of our... uh, Actually, it's very... very weird small world stuff the one of the producers of the simpsons dated my mom's friend in high school but he also came to speak at my art school and so he's like oh you're from connecticut too like come out and like so a bunch of us went out to la this is when i lived in oregon i flew i flew down and i got to so i have a signed um i met yeah with like all like matt graining and he like walked us around and so i got and it was like the best day of my life wow so, yeah that's so cool it was wild i saw spinal tap play live at Glastonbury a few well about That's 10 years so ago cool. Harry Shearer is great whenever he's not playing the bass his arm is always up in the air like that it's really, <laughs> it must be really hard it was great he's so good Spinal Tap opened the Freddie Mercury yeah. tribute concert but the sound didn't work oh. so it never made it onto the uh, onto the DVD That's or the TV true. footage good right question two this is I think this is one it's probably too easy who are the only characters in the Simpsons to be portrayed with five fingers rather than four John I didn't get that ah um, do you know this one the only thing I can think of is that episode where um, Homer says the kids are going to have like pink skin and five fingers and an overbite and then it shows the like and then he screams that's all i can i don't oh, know about right. the fi- that's the only thing i can think of is 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 the like freak like very like white american right. kid blonde kids but i don't remember what we just watched that episode so. is it god yes it is oh, god john yeah. it is god yes so i didn't know how well known this is but whenever god and jesus or and or jesus are portrayed. They always have five fingers on each hand and five toes on each 
foot. I don't think I should get a point because I declared I didn't have it, and I think M should get a point because I do think she's got a, a technically she correct answer yeah, there. Sure, sure. I'll give you a half a point. All right, I'll allow it. That sounds great. <laughs> And uh, the last question, question three, was which musician and artist was parodied on The Simpsons in a scene at Moe's Bar in which they ordered a single plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat? John, do you know that? I've got so many answers for this. Okay. JK, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Yoko Ono. So I'm going to go Yoko Ono. Okay, John's gone Yoko Ono. Um, That is, yep. It's Yoko Ono. And Yoko Ono would actually later on curate an exhibition in Iceland, which would feature a single plum floating in perfume in a man's hat. So oh, it kind well, of came full circle, which was nice. I, I'm reading a lot about Frank Zappa at the minute and uh, Matt Groening, such a huge fan of his. And so much of the sort of reported interviews are from conversations between Matt Groening and Frank Zappa. I think it's such a shame that Zappa died before The Simpsons became really big. He may even have died the year the first series was released. He would definitely have been a regular in it. Yeah, for sure. I think that's what Zappa was almost trying to do musically, really, because there's so many interlinking things with his songs and things, aren't they? There's a lot of kind of crossover. Well, it's a superb quiz as ever, Robin. Um, Thank you very much for setting it. Uh, We now turn back to uh, M's Dream Pub or Bar, and that's my question. Are we, what kind of style of building are we going to have for this place? I like the classic pub, you know, I like that, warm lots of wood like i did a pub tour of sheffield uh last oh, wow. april mm, yeah great which pub was, city which was awesome and it was just like me and a bunch of beer people and then a lot of old men because this was like you know monday or tuesday i don't remember what day it was but it was a you know a weekday and and it was just really you know half pints and i had a really great cold lamb samosa and a dark mild pint and it was just like this is the best thing so I kind of want that, like, comfortable seating. The only thing I ask for when I go drinking, I ask for three things. I want a place to hang my purse or coat. I want a chair that's comfortable. And I want to be able to hear myself talk. I don't want it to be too loud or, conversely, too quiet. When there's no music, you feel like you're drinking in a library, and that's weird. And so, or even, like, the TV on. And so I kind of want that, like, I like the, like, warm wood, cozy you know, intimate, but not too much. So that's the, I mean, the bar, my local bar is a college, I call it a dive bar. My husband would just, it's a college bar, which apparently there's a difference. A dive bar, I mean, there's gambling. There's a man that's yelling that Hillary Clinton is a robot. (laughs) And there's like, yeah. And yes, the uh, Pete, I think is his name. That's a true story. And then, um, and then there's just like, everyone's just drinking giant pints of Bud Light or Miller or Michelob Ultra bottles and that's my and eating mozzarella sticks and but I also like that kind of that's where we go to watch sports that's where we go to like relax like that's a great bar however you know I want something a little more intimate a little less um no no bar flies where you know it has a Moe's vibe my local not it doesn't have the dank of Moe's but if it was a dream pub I want like I want warmth I want the warmth of an English pub. I like that vibe. Are you planning on coming back to England anytime? Because we could recommend you some great pub cities. Not this year. 
Um, I'm actually on my way to South Africa in a couple of weeks for two weeks to judge the Africa Beer Cup slash vacation. My husband and I haven't gone on vacation, just the two of us, since before COVID. So uh, we're going on safari, which is a very weird thing to say that you do in the 2023. But that is, yeah, um, I'm very excited about it. Drinking beer, looking at an elephant. And it just seems really cool. Uh, but I don't, ha- yeah, and then we're going, I'm, I'm going to Hawaii, I'm going to October, I'm going, I'm all over the place this year. So I loved, loved, lo- I loved England um, when I was there. I went to London, Manchester, Sheffield. Um, I want to do like Yorkshire, like Lake District. I have a friend of mine was a, like a medieval studies major. She had her PhD in medieval studies. And her and her husband would just like walk through the Lake District every summer and just drink at pubs all day. And I was like, well, that sounds like the best vacation of all time. I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. So we need uh, two spirits from you, Emma. Are you much of a spirit drinker? I really like brown liquor. So like bourbon, scotch, um, after dinner. Um, I actually, my, when I go to weddings, if I don't have a bourbon with my wet, the wedding cake, I, I get very upset. That's like the best pairing of all time, that like wedding cake and bourbon, because the sweetness of the bourbon, it's really nice. I would choose like a really peaty scotch, so like Talisker 12-year, um, which I went to Talisker on vacation, and I the only thing I remember about going there is we didn't take the tour, it was sold out, but we drank there, and my sister took a photo of me, and I look like an author who writes mysteries, the photo. <laughs> I have this like scarf, I have my like... I have this like oversized uh, barber jacket on and I have like a very like floppy hat and I'm just kind of like leaning in and I look like I write mysteries. Um, and that's, I was drinking Talisker 25 year, but I thought for the pub, that's a little, a little spendy, but I do like a good like brown liquor after. And then I love DJ. I love liquor after. Um, I like a good mar- gin martini, but when you order one now that they're gigantic and then I'm just, I'm going to die. So I usually, I'll make them at home, very dry uh, with a lemon twist. But for the second one, I would probably, I like Fernet. Oh, oh right. Fernet Branca. Yeah. That would be my other, because that's a great, like, after, like I'm going to eat a huge ass pub meal and then I want a little Fernet. Isn't this what Freddie Bulmer chose recently? Yeah. Uh, one of our recent guests chose it and said it was, he chose it because it was the most disgusting drink he'd ever tasted. No, it's not. He's wrong. It's so good. It's, oh my God. It's the first time I had it. I, I was in San Francisco and I didn't feel well. And I was with a friend of mine who loves spirits. We were at a very high end cocktail bar. And I was like, I don't, I know. I was, I was like, oh, I don't want anything. I don't feel well. And the bartender brought me a shot of Fernet Branca and a ginger ale. And I went to sip the Branca and she goes, no. And she was this like kind of big girl wearing a Ramones t-shirt, very imposing. And she goes, no, you have to chug it. And I was like, well, I don't, and she was like, do it. She like kind of yelled at me. And so I shot, I took the shot and it was disgusting. But then there was something about it afterwards that was so just delicious. We were, my husband and I on our honeymoon were in Milan and we wanted to take a tour of the, because the Branca facilities in Milan but they were closed on they were on vacation that week, so they weren't doing tours. Well, we found out with Freddie, our previous guest, who chose this, that it was originally invented for medicinal reasons. Specifically, I think I believe it was to cure cholera and worms. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it looks it looks horrid. Oh, it's delicious. What does I, it taste of? It's very like it reminds me of like Campari. It's like kind of that 
that like rough. There's a little like licorice. It's very woodsy. It's very earthy. It's kind of like drinking dirt, I guess. <laughs> but it's but it's lovely. But like the best dirt ever. Neither you nor Freddie have really sold it to me. I'll have to say. Just yeah. try. It's it's um they make a mint version mm. uh, as well. So that's like the best mint dirt ever. Mm. Yeah, and you can do it uh, in um they make they drink a lot of it in um Argentina where they mix it with Coca Cola. That's like the drink of Argentina is Fernet and Coke. Wow. So you could do that, which. That sounds that sounds good. Is it close in any way to like a Jägermeister with a very medicinal quality, or is it's it? It's like a more bitter Jäger. Right. Yeah, yeah. It has that kind of quality. I'm still not feeling it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. I it's so like after like especially like you go to the pub, you eat a huge meal, and then you have that, and you just take oh, it's it'll make you feel so much better. It's just like it kind of takes all the weight of a large meal off of you. It's lovely. It's lo- I we have a we always have a bottle. Um, when I don't like if I have a stomach ache or I don't feel well, it's a great like way to just like have a drink and then but yeah. you know. get a bout of cholera. It's the one you yeah you know normal stuff yeah or worms you know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch you drink one one day, Robin. Yeah. Next time we see it, we'll order it. Okay, I'll give it a go. Um, I'll try okay. anything once. So Talisca, twelve year old, and Fernet Branca. Uh, the spirit choices. We must expand our minds. I can feel mine contracting before my very eyes. So, uh, Robin, will you uh, lead us into the library, please? Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Yes, thanks, John. Welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Library. And um, today I'm going to revisit Anna Kinsella's excellent piece she wrote for Vittles called Nine Ways of Looking at a Pint of Guinness. Uh, because I, I've, I've read one bit of this before, but there's another bit which I think is so good about Guinness that I want to read it. It's a little bit long. It's two paragraphs. But I'm going to go for it. Is that is that okay? Big time. Okay, cool. Here we go. Is it really possible that there is that much variation between one pub's pint of Guinness and the next? Is the notion that Guinness can't travel real, or am I simply homesick for the country I come from? To be an Irish woman abroad who sometimes drinks Guinness is to assume an ambassadorial role for many people. I am presumed to have some expertise or authority on the subject of how and where to drink Guinness. As the musician and podcaster Blind Boy illustrates in a podcast episode titled A Pointive Plane. Drinking and debating the pint of Guinness is a way to signal Irishness in the 21st century wherever in the world you might find yourself. It's more than a drink, he says, it's a complex metaphor for the history of the Irish diaspora. Even the myth of Guinness not travelling well, he points out, is an analogy for our own homesickness and distance. Ordering a pint, waiting for it to settle, finally taking a sip, all are similar to the act of emigrating and settling abroad. For Irish people who leave Ireland, the aim is to find the pub that serves the Guinness that is most like the Guinness of home, Today, much of the talk about the quality of a pint of Guinness comes down to the idea of the perfect pour and its visual representation online. But for many Irish Guinness drinkers, it goes far beyond the pour. The question of the perfect pint takes in a complicated national history of colonialism and emigration. While Guinness could have been seen as a symbol of Anglo-Irish supremacy and a bulwark of unionism, of which its founder Arthur Guinness was a vocal supporter, 
Instead, it evolved into a symbol of Irish cultural identity on the world stage. Much of that is down to the brewery's role in Dublin itself, where it has served as a major employer in the heart of the city for centuries. Even today, when the wind changes in Dublin, you can smell brewing on the breeze. Geographically and sociologically, it's part of the capital's id, and thus part of the country's too. For Irish people around the world in 2023, going in search of Guinness is often about the hunt for terroir, built into the act of drinking the pint itself. Or maybe it's the ads that are the terroir, the look at the pint, the one truest mark of quality. That's a great piece of writing, I think, because I don't think I've ever really thought about that so much in terms of the real sense of Irish identity that's linked to drinking Guinness abroad and what it means to an Irish person. I'm just here to drink some. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about that, Em? Do you, do, are you a Guinness fan, first of all? I love Guinness. And that's it's kind of, an in the beer industry, it's an untouchable brand. Mm. Uh, it's something that everybody uh, loves. Um, I'm a big, do you have Guinness Extra in the UK? Or is that an American? You could get it in supermarkets, but you'd very rarely, in fact, you get it in most big supermarkets, but you'd very rarely get it on draft anywhere mm. yeah same here in america but that's my goat i love guinness extra I, we have guinness extra um in the house quite regularly it is so delicious and it's like two dollars a bottle it's delicious is this the slightly stronger variation yeah the not nitro five it's 5.6 abv um it's a I, but guinness yeah guinness is this kind of you know, you it's a panic brand. What I mean by that is like you're at a bar and you see a lot of things and you're like, uh, and then you, you see the Guinness tap and you're like, yeah, obviously. And that's going to be good. And as long as they clean their draft lines, it's going to be delicious. And I really I just yeah, it is this is untouchable. You know, you 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 look at Guinness in the beer industry and everybody, everybody loves Guinness. Um, and I love Guinness. I mean, it is. A deli- it's so I just drank a bunch of them for St. Pat. I don't go out for St. Patrick's Day. I do St. Patrick's Day in, and so my which AKA my husband. And I just drank a bunch of Guinness, and then I made actually an excellent lamb stew. Uh, probably the best stew I've ever made. Very I'm nice. A big stew person, but yeah, I, I love Guinness and I Guinness or get we had both Guinness and Guinness Extra. I didn't buy the foreign extra, um, which I also love. I was just lazy, and the grocery store only had two of them, so I. Didn't go searching for the third, but it's it's delicious. It's sort of unusual for there to be so much love for a brand that is that ubiquitous. So, like, if you think about the big lager brands like Budweiser or over here, sort of Stella or Foster's, those sort of huge behemoths of the drinks industry, they're sort of a, they're looked down upon or they're a figure of fun or they're a shorthand for sort of bad quality or tastelessness. So it's it's kind of, I don't know whether it's just the quality of the product or the genius of the marketing, but the fact that, you know, very few people look down on Guinness, really, even sort of experienced beer sommeliers like yourself still really like Guinness. I love, yeah. And then you like can look back at their history and it's, it's you know, there's things that they've done that are not great. <laughs> and so it's so, it's, it's kind of strange how they get a pass um for that but also just how people love it i mean it is it is a unique you know the the extra stout the foreign extra stout and the guinness drafter those are unique brands wholly as and it also yeah it is like you said that it is a country's identity 
So St. Patrick's Day, which is a huge holiday in America, um, it's a, you know, it's very, very big, especially in New England, where we have a lot of, um, of Irish people. That's, it Guinness is everyone, everybody drinks it, and everyone is happy about it. And no one's ever like, a, whenever, whenever I have a Guinness, I'm never like, oh man, this sucks. Like, it's always, it's always going to be good. So that was, was it, is it nine ways of looking at a pint of Guinness, Rob? Yeah, nine ways of looking at a pint of Guinness by Anna Kinsella. Superb. Well, we don't just have a library here, and we also have a jukebox, and we ask each guest to pick an album to put on the Moon Underwater pub jukebox. So what would you like to hear in your dream bar? I would like to listen to the greatest album of all time. Of course. Which is Paul Simon's Graceland. Oh, yes. Have we had that before? I don't think we have. Have we, Rob? No. It is a, a, a staggering masterpiece. It's such a great album. So when I was six... Uh, so this is 1989. Yeah, 1989. My family took a boat trip. Um, we, my a friend of my father's, let him borrow his houseboat for two weeks, and we putted around New England. But then the boat broke down, so the trip for two weeks actually ended up turning into six weeks because they had to put it in dry dock. And instead of, you know, going back to Connecticut, we were like, oh, we'll just stay. So it was our whole summer was on this like dry dock boat and we just listened to that album like on CD or on excuse me tape this is pre-CD on tape like over and over and over again and like the six-year-old and I every time I hear I can sing the whole album I have it on vinyl now I have it like it's just like anytime you put it on you got to listen to it all the way through and it is just hit after hit and it's wonder it gets such a great great album it gives brings back a lot of good memories so many people, I think, have that childhood connection with that album. You know, it's, a, it's an album their parents had in the car or something like that, you know. Yeah, and my parents had terrible music <laughs> taste. Like, really, really not great. So that was a real, that was a nice glimmer of when we weren't listening to, no offense, no, I don't know, we listened, a lot of, we listened to a lot of the Eagles and a lot of Neil Diamond, which actually, I have a soft spot for Neil Diamond, so. I um, really like Neil Diamond. I almost said Beautiful Noise by Neil Diamond as my jukebox because i really like that's another like childhood like tape just on in the car um but no paul simon's graceland is the greatest album of all time and it is amazing the end i always remember my art teacher mr needles saying to me there is a girl in new york city who calls herself the human trampoline that is poetry robin (laughs) but he's right it is but it was like moments like that where you think there's so much more to it than the kind of catchy tunes you love as a kid you know as you get older you like lean into the lyrics and the instrumentation it's so good it's beautiful isn't it well the the title track is so sad yeah it's one of the sort of most mournful songs yeah the first chord that's played on the album is breathtaking yeah what's the what's the line losing love is like a window in your heart oh yeah. my god yeah, everybody good. sees you blown apart yeah oh my god <laughs> and she comes back to tell me she's gone that's a great line as well oh it's really good <laughs> as if i didn't know that as if i didn't know my own bed oh god as if i didn't notice the way she brushed her hair from far ahead oh my god yeah <laughs> die bleeding well crying now no i'm not but yeah um uh, I, I did think for a long time that uh, Neil Diamond's song Forever in Blue Jeans was called Reverend Blue Jeans <laughs> about a cool, like, vicar yeah. who, would, who would go to schools and be hip about God.
Right, uh, we have one more selection for you. Um, um, it's your wild card. This is free swim. Anything you want. What are you going to have? Oh gosh, um, for for I thought about for beer, and I was trying to think of like UK beers and what's my favorite brewery in the UK, and I kept coming back to Burning Sky Brewing. Uh huh. Um, and that was like I just want like a Burning Sky Tap takeover every night at the pub nice because oh. i think they do good like like what brewery in the uk is crushing like saisons oh i don't know i like ipas everything they make and then their labeling is i think the cartoonist in me is really into if you can see their labeling it's just really really strong oh yeah that looks great yeah like really good stuff and their their beers are just just wonderful so if i could have Burning Sky on all, and sometimes we can get it in America. I've had their saison uh, in Maine, uh, so like three hours from my house, and it's just that's that's what I would want. That's so what I would want. They're based down near Brighton, aren't they? Okay, cool. I don't know them at all, actually. Oh, it's good stuff. I don't think I've ever had anything, but the the illustrations are fantastic. As someone who's sort of got a finger in both pies of illustration and beer why do you think the sort of the craft beer label has become such an important part of of sort of modern beer identity oh, i mean that's a good question i think that beer is art and that when you do craft beer you have sort of a blank palette so you can kind of do whatever you want and i think that works well with the labels as well so you can have you know there's great classic traditional beer labels those are wonderful your German labels, the Belgian stuff, all wonderful. But when you lean into the like modern craft, there's so much room for new styles. There's so much room for new expression of art. And so breweries, especially, it's always nice when a brewery does a really good job of art, but it's also consistent. So when you go to the beer shop and you see it on the shelf and you're like, yes, that, I want, I know who made that. A lot of brands now kind of do cool things that are one-offs, but then I'm like, who made this? What is this? I don't know what this is, but they're look, they all look great. So, But it's, yeah, I think it's an expression, freedom of expression, and that's what craft beer is all about. Do you think it's anything to do with the fact that so much of craft beer is in a can rather than a bottle? So when you've got a can, you have got that blank canvas you've got that sort of rectangular label whereas with a bottle there's you want to show the glass and you want to show what's inside the bottle as well yes that's actually a good point so when you have like a 16 ounce can or or 500 milliliter can yeah you have a lot of surface area and so you can do a lot with it um, more so than bottles are going to have a little bit more squat I mean you can do stuff but you have to kind of remember the shape Mm. and when you've got that kind of that that can either depending on what size it is that's yeah there's a lot more surface area for things to do and that's I've only done a couple of can labels but they're a lot of fun because they're like a puzzle you need to figure out okay I have to put certain things like in America there's a government warning you have to add you have to add you know certain things so you have to make sure those all fit in and then you have x amount of space and how are you going to convey the name of the brewery the name of the style and then why does the art go with said, you know, I did a label for a brewery in Berkeley, California, and they were like, you can draw whatever you want. And I went, okay. So I just drew a bunch of like cats. 
okay. You know, like it was, I was for a Pilsner and it was just a bunch of cats. And they were like, I was like, you said I could draw whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like colorful cats. Well, maybe uh, for those who aren't joining us for your dream pub companion, uh, they can spend their time heading to pintsandpanels.com to look at some of your fantastic artwork, which does include an illustration of Blind Pig, which is one of your choices, the Russian River beer, and also Pliny the Younger. Oh, yeah, that's the triple IPA. But they only make that once a year. So I thought that's... But then we would only have it on once, you know, so fantastically just below your choice the russian river blind pig is the illustration of a can of tenants (laughs) (laughs) which shows that you're very down to earth uh, as an artist and you do appreciate british culture can you get tenants in america no 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 you can't um i had tenants in scotland but i didn't know yeah we don't um yeah we don't get that in america we now head uh, into the sort of Patreon netherworld here in uh, the correct realm uh, to find out about M's dream pub companion. If you want to hear this choice and a whole lot more, head over to moonunderpod.com and support us on Patreon. Uh, for those Johnny Come Flyby Nightlies who choose not to, we will see you very shortly. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com. Well, we return now to you all, you uh, JBFBNBs, and uh, what a a time we've had with M discussing her dream pub companion. And it did feature a lot of great moon underwater wrecks Mm. of a literary lilt. But we have two more little bits of admin for you um, before we uh, wish you back on your way. First off, uh, what thing or behaviour are you going to bar or a specific person, if you have a vendetta against anyone, are you going to bar from your bar? You're barred. I'm going to get in trouble for this, but live music. Whoa. Well, are you banning live music if it's in a separate room, or is it live music if it's in the actual pub bar room i go out drinking and there's live music and it's loud and it's not what i expected and i can't again like i said before if i i need to be able to have a conversation and if there's live music that i didn't know was going to be there i get very agitated um and it's not that i like i love music i love performances i like when i want to go see them but when it's kind of thrust upon you i always find it very jarring so we could have it in another room I'm just saying that loud live music is not allowed in my pub, which people will be mad about. But that's how I feel, and I'm I'm sorry. Well, I think some people will be pleased about that as well. I don't I I don't mind the sort of dull thud of um, you know a, a prog band coming from a farther room, but what you don't want is essentially to have your evening be turned into oh, we're going to listen to someone else's iPod really loud. That I don't want to... Any loud music in general is not allowed. There could be like a... Like going to Oktoberfest and there's a decibel limit for during the day. Like we would have... Yeah, I think it's 80 because it's family friendly during the day and then oh, at like God, 6 it's nice. switch. 
So like, that's what I would like. I would like a decibel. There is no, nothing above like X amount of decibels because then you, everyone, then you shouting and there's nothing worse than like, I'm seeing someone I haven't seen in a really long time. And now we're going to shout a bunch about like what we're doing with our lives. And that's not great. So I hate that moment where you're sort of at a bar trying to have a conversation and you shout and shout and eventually you just both give up and you just stand there drinking. That's not going to happen. No. Where, yeah. Hurry up, please. It's time. Well, what a pleasure it's been to have you here, Em. We have created Your Dream Pub, which has your three key demands. You have to be able to hear yourself talk, you have to have somewhere to hang your coat or purse, and it must have comfortable seating. You have selected Harvey's Best Bitter, 4%, Hofbrau Helles Fresh Beer, 5.1%, Pliny the Elder and Blind Pig from Russian River Brewery, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, you have Talisker 12-year-old and Fernet Branca on the uh, spirit shelf. And Paul Simon's Graceland is playing, but not above 80 decibels. Your wildcard choice is a Burning Sky Tap Takeover. And there's no live music, but what are we going to call this wonderful, wonderful playground? The pub is called The Mask and Mantle. Ooh, tell me for why. This is the nerdiest thing I've ever said. So a mask and a mantle, mask and mantle is a cat's markings. So when you see a cat that has like the dark head and then the same colors on the back, that's uh-huh. the mask and then the mantle. And so oh, wow. my, my husband and I said, if we ever opened a pub, we would call it the mask and mantle. And is that a dream that you think will one day come true? Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) It's much better to be on the other side of the bar. Yes, agree. Well, thank you, M. Sorter, so much. Do check out uh, pintsandpanels.com and also Pints and Panels on all social media for M's wonderful educational illustrations and also fun illustrations and prints. There's a a web shop on there you can buy from. And uh, we wish you all the best on your travels across the world, your travels in beer. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com.